Better Human Podcast. Colin here. You can watch this on YouTube or get it on iTunes, Spotify, Google. It's the weekly newsletter that I am also doing a video for. I'm going to run through what's going to be in the newsletter. You can get over at Colin.coach. The Better Human Newsletter is the hub for all the content. And the Better Podcast Network or the Better Human Network. I got to figure out what to call it. I got better finance coming. I got better relationship, better man. I got a lot of big ideas for this. And... I've been doing podcasts for a while. I've changed the name a couple of times. And I had to go through that load to really figure out what I wanted to do. But podcast is just, in general, such an untapped medium. There's so much opportunity here. And I have to credit all my early entrepreneurial success to podcasting. Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income Podcast, the early episodes, was just huge in the self-education just the entire kind of self-education strategy I adopted to entrepreneurship was go online, figure things out, listen to podcasts, and then eventually watch YouTube videos, get out there and try the things, get results, iterate, etc. So podcasting is amazing. So we're going to go through some, some of the, uh, the links that I'm sharing. I've also been updating the Better Human newsletter format. I'm going to keep improving it. I want it to be amazing. I want it to be something that you can tune into and look forward to every single weekend. And I'm going to try a lot of different things, try a lot of experiments. So uh, if you have ideas for me, if you're receiving that newsletter or if you're listening to the show and you have ideas, you can always send me an email or DM. Actually, just send me a DM because I'm actually thinking about getting rid of email. Yeah. So we've got a few things to talk about today. A lot of fun stuff. Let's start with first a few of the big ideas that I wrote about earlier. So I've been thinking about simplicity a lot lately. And if you're watching this, I'm going to actually spell check as I go, (laughs) which I haven't done just yet. So I've been thinking about how to simplify my life, how to simplify my business, my work. I've simplified my team. I've now, I now run wild with the, uh, we have a team in Orlando that is run by my parent company. And then my team that I control based out of Austin is down to a few contractors. It's really me and a few people. And at one point at that high end, we had hundred and not hundred. Uh, we had about 40 employees at one time. A lot of them were part-time, but we were doing all the production ourselves. And we had a big warehouse and I was doing all these different things. I wanted to control every aspect of the supply chain. And then I realized how much of a nightmare that was, how expensive that was. And then I learned what 3PLs were, third-party logistics companies that could do a lot of the shipping for me. Uh, I learned what co-packers were. They could do a lot of the packing for me. And then, you know, what what is kind of industry standard in food and supplements is you get a finished product and you have someone else that specializes in the warehouse business or the co-packing business to do the hard, heavy work of taking raw materials and putting them into a bag or a bottle or whatever instead of doing it myself and having to have my own payroll and warehouse and all the other crazy amount like storage and bins and racks like i mean it's definitely an education i learned a ton but it's not really the work i'm passionate about it's not what i want to do i want to educate people and focus on nutrition health and mindset i don't want to be working in a warehouse and having to make sure every little thing is perfect and you know, the bags are perfectly sealed. And I mean, I still deal with that because co-packers don't care that much. And yeah, so I got out of that business and started doing more marketing with the team. And it just seems like so much of what we do on the internet is a waste of time. Most of it doesn't bring result. So I've been constantly simplifying. 
and I just want to figure out like kind of, I'm trying to do a reset, get down to the baseline. What does the business actually need? What actually generates results? And then ignore everything that doesn't. And then once that foundation is down on the things that we really need to do that really matter and the people are in place for that and they're doing their job and it's all understood and easy and I don't have to micromanage, then we can look into experimenting with new strategies on top of that. So the thing about simplicity is you don't just wake up tomorrow and your life is simple. You don't even wake up tomorrow with that kind of simplicity eye and that mindset. It's something that takes a long time to iterate and you probably creep back into complexity. I know that every time we move, I throw away as much as I can. And then when we move and we have a new place, uh, I start, things start creeping back in. I start buying more things. Like I want to streamline the kitchen, things that we probably threw away when we moved that I now need, I buy again. Right. And it's like, it's never ending cycle. Uh, but I think the more you do it, the better you get. So over time you do get better at keeping things simple. You do get better at not acquiring as much, uh, at getting just the bare minimum. What is the absolute minimum you need and nothing more, nothing beyond that. It takes time, but the rewards are worth it. And so what are the actual rewards? Well, you have a deeper life, you have deeper focus and you have more fulfillment. The more things in your life, the more your distraction, your attention, not distraction, well, the more your attention is spread and the more you are distracted. And if you actually think about what is life and what is what makes a good life and you know a bad life or a not as good life, it's how do you spend your attention? Your life is exactly what you give your attention to. Are you giving your attention to things that are constantly distracting you and sapping your energy and just, you know, abusing you and using you? Toxicity, negativity, the news, fear-mongering, whatever. Or do you give your attention to friends and family, deep experiences and fun and laughing and community and passionate pursuits, things you're interested in? Like at the end of your life, that's all it is. How much of my attention was spent on things that brought me joy and value and fulfillment and how much wasn't. This next section here is squeaky wheel gets the grease. My grandfather always used to say this, but I didn't really get it until I was older. And now I use the same line often. It's amazing how people keep things bottled up. And then when it finally comes out, they have all these emotions tied up that grew from that festering process, right? The more you keep things inside, the more they fester and the more they actually get corrupted so that when they come out, they're usually coming out with a bunch of baggage. They're coming out in an accusatory way, right? They're not coming out in a genuine way or an empathic way or a way in which you want to actually get to the bottom of something or explain to someone to get them to understand how you feel right? That's the danger of doing this. That's the danger of taking the path of least resistance, at least in the, in the moment. You think it's easier to not say something or they'll figure it out or they'll get it eventually. No, they won't. And you'll get more resentful the more you keep it inside. The answer is to tell people exactly what you need to tell them as soon, as soon, like literally right now, tomorrow, like next hour, not in a week, not in a month. You tell them exactly what you need to say, exactly how you're feeling, as soon as possible. And or sometimes, if you can actually do this, you should let things go. Give people the grace that they need, right? People are more distracted than ever. They're not thinking about you or what they said or did or how that might have hurt your feelings. It's probably not even in their consciousness at all. 
And we like to attribute malice to people like they did that on purpose and this and that when literally 99% of the time they didn't even think about it and they didn't mean anything. And it was just an oversight. Don't attribute malice to things when incompetence or forgetfulness is the most likely reason. I've seen this in partners, employees, friends, and family. We expect people to read our minds to interpret reality or the things we said or did the way we think they should. But if you could ever spend a few minutes in someone else's shoes, you would see how faulty that thinking is. People, people half the time have can't even control their own like thoughts, let alone their own emotions or let alone their awareness. They're oblivious to so many things in life. And they absolutely do not see things the way we do or the way we think they should. We expect other people to read our minds. Like I said, we expect them to see, think, hear, feel the same way we do. We expect things we should not expect. And we hurt ourselves and others in the process. What's better is, like I said, candor, be straight, honest, to the point. And how you do this matters too. Like they say, it's how you say something that matters more so than what you say. Most people generally feel or remember the delivery of what you say. And, you know, most time they can't even tell you back what you actually said. Oh, battery's running out. It's probably why my, uh, my fan on my, this, in fact, this is something wrong with these 16 inch Macs. I've heard this from, I've read about this. Uh, the fans are just really loud and aggressive. And like right now, the mic's probably picking it up. It's, it's annoying. I even got it turned down, but I guess it has to be turned up because, yeah, because it's overheating. Okay, so when you come at people and you want to explain how something they did or said, you know, hurt you, bothered you, whatever, you have to come at it in a way where you're not accusing them. You have to say, I'm feeling this way from the situation. Or even say ahead of time, like, listen, I'm not trying to accuse you. I'm not trying to project onto you. This is just what I'm experiencing right now. And this is what I'm feeling right now. Uh, I know that this is obviously an emotional thing. So this is not an accurate, like 100% representation. But right now, this is me having thought about it for a little bit. This is how I'm feeling. And I want to share that with you so that we can, you know, avoid any resentment or sweeping things out of the rug or whatever. Like I said, how you say it is generally more important than what you say. And what I've found with people is when you come at that at them that way and you're being very genuine and forthright and you're not accusing and you're saying it calmly, uh, which again, this is a hard thing to do. I'm not, I'm not claiming I'm perfect at this. Like I actually struggle with this a lot because I tend to get heated in my, my verbiage and I can get aggressive in my speech. You know, I can get, I can get loud in my pitch, something I'm working on. But when you come at people like that, they're usually really, really receptive. You know, like some people will clam up and be defensive and some people will project back onto you. They'll, they'll try to deflect, you know, it really depends on the person and what you're coming at them with. But the more you stay calm, if you stay calm and you remain calm through that process and you let them kind of gut response where they respond emotionally, whatever, you let them get that out of their system and they calm down, they're usually more in that apologetic state and they want to try to be better and they don't want you to feel that way. I mean, I'm telling you like 99% of the time, 
And if you actually go deep into this and you understand it from an evolutionary perspective, as a species, we are designed to work together. We are designed to want people to like us, right? People liking us in the wild was actually a survival mechanism. Like if you had people that didn't like you in the tribe, or if you pissed enough people off, they could have potentially killed you or exiled you, which would have been a death sentence. So we are hypersensitive to anything with sociability or likability or anything like that, because it's an evolutionary adaptation to living in the wild, in a harsh wild, and it's a threat to our survival. It's no wonder that people, uh, when you come at them with something where they may have hurt your feelings or whatever, or you threaten their ego in any way, it's no wonder they are so sensitive to it because their ego, their, their branding in, in their social circle, you know, which would have been in their tribe, their family is a very precarious thing. Generally, most people want to perceive, be perceived as a good person, as helpful. Uh, they don't want have people think of them as uh, a backstabber or a, a dishonest person or somebody that you can't trust or whatever. Even if they do things that, that threaten that, they still in their mind probably think that they're a good person and they do these things the right way or whatever, right? Of course, we all have our blind spots and we have our biases and we see things differently and we don't. So you know, it's, it's so dependent on the person, of course, but the more calm you can be, the more straightforward, the more you can even use questions and try to get them talking rather than you just talking at them, the more you can use the Socratic method, the better. But the most important thing though, and this is what I've learned. And this is also why a lot of people in my life don't give me shit. Like sometimes people will give me feedback that you know, like they're not happy with how I acted in a certain way or like these things didn't work out the way they wanted or maybe I said something too harshly or whatever. Like I do get that feedback sometimes, uh, but generally I just don't have room in my life for toxic people, for negative people. Uh, people don't come to me and complain because they know that my response is usually one in which I challenge them back. I don't just let them throw negative negativity at me or, or, or complaining at me without kind of highlighting their agency in the matter, their responsibility in the matter. And so I kind of self-select for people. Like they just don't come to me with shit or drama because I shut it down. And I think that's really how we should all be. If you're not the type of person that wants it in your life, you should have an immediate allergic reaction to it to the point where your immune system and just your social, like the way you um, interact socially, it's like an immediate allergic response where you just kind of shut it down or you you know, change the subject right away, or you give like kind of not necessarily harsh, but immediate feedback of how you don't want to talk about that or, well, what part of this is your fault, you know, or things like that. And then people won't come to you with it. It's amazing. You know, the key though for yourself, if you have gripes with somebody is you can't bottle it up because that drains you. And usually the other person isn't even thinking about it. Okay. Don't drain yourself because you think somebody should do something or whatever, or even worse, because you're just afraid of confrontation and you don't want to bring it up. This next section is use social media rather than letting it use you. Now I realize that, let's see, what are we at here? We're probably already at 15 minutes. So I'm gonna go through a few more sections. And I think maybe for the newsletter shows, what I'll do is I'll kind of go through a few big ideas and then I'll let you get the rest inside the newsletter. 
So Colin.coach, one else, C-O-L-I-N.coach. You can get that. I'll go through these two real quick. So we'll go through use social media rather than letting it use you and the power and importance of following up. All right. So here's the thing. A social media platform should be thought of as a tool. If you go to a social media app and you use the default settings and you basically take the customer's journey through which the company and the engineers want you to take, and if you use it the way they want you to use it, then you have now become the product. Your attention has become the product that they will then sell to advertisers. You will also be privy to all the gamification mechanisms of psychology and, you know, like triggering dopamine responses and giving you little bits, bits of uh, just content and like the ways they do. It will be using you to addict you to the product. If you use social media, the default way that the company wants you to and the, the, the way most people do, you will become a tool and a product of that corporation. And the negative side effects will be your happiness. You will compare yourself. You will become addicted to it. You will get dopamine addiction. It will be bad. On the flip side, if you come to social media as a tool to use to your own end and for your own goals, then it's a completely different scenario. And this is why putting like all of social media in a bucket and saying it's bad or good or whatever, it's not as simple as that. It's really how you use the platform. So let's give two examples here. I got Instagram. I don't go into my feed. Uh, I don't really watch stories. I don't, I don't go to the explore page. I just post when I want to post and I check comments when I want to, though I'm not really checking comments that much anymore. And I do, I do check my DMs still. That's it. I post stories. I post feed posts and I sometimes check my comments and I sometimes mostly check my DMs every so often. And that's it. I use the app as a business marketing tool. It doesn't use me. And if I ever find myself scrolling in the app, I know it's a behavior I got to shut down. Some ways to shut it down are to take the app and move the icon to like deep into a folder on your phone or like move it to like the fourth swipe of your screen. That's a good strategy. Uninstalling it or logging out so that every time you want to log back in, you have to reinstall it or you have to retype in your password. Those are good ways to put a little bit of resistance between you and mindless social media use. So those are some strategies. Twitter, that's another one that I've been on recently. It's a very toxic place. It's a very dangerous place. It's the most probably dangerous social media platform to use if you're not hyper aware of how you're using it, all right? So some strategies include mute and block everyone discussing anything you don't want to engage in. So for me, it's politics, gossip, and negativity, okay? So I follow a lot of Bitcoiners and anybody in the Bitcoin space, which has been a newer thing, if they're attacking somebody else, if they're... Uh, yeah, I mean, generally if they're attacking someone else, gossiping about somebody else or talking shit about another human, I block them and or mute them. You can also mute certain keywords. You can block certain accounts, whatever. Uh, the ads that show up, I pretty much on every single one say does not interest me. You know, I get rid of it. Sometimes Twitter offers a certain keyword or person like uh, that one pop star, um, not Minaj, but like Adriana Grande or whatever her name is. That showed up as a potential to topic and it was a post from her. And I'm like, why am I seeing this? And so I just, I clicked do not follow or whatever. I think I muted her or I blocked her. I don't want to see any of that crap. I don't want celebrity nonsense in my feed, right? Facebook, my advice, don't use it. It sucks. Uh, Clubhouse, eh, I don't like it. I don't use it. I don't really know if there's a good or bad way to use it. I'm sure there is. It seems like a big waste of time because the content isn't edited and people kind of ramble on. I don't know. 
Maybe it's cool for just like getting your friends in a room, but I really don't have any advice on that one. Social media is a tool for you to use or you are a tool for its use. Choose wisely. One more topic and then I will let you go for the day. The power and importance of following up. Now, you may have noticed something that I've been noticing the past few months. I send a text to somebody, I invite them to something or I ask them something or whatever, and it's taking them more and more time to respond. It seems like it's between four to eight hours. So kind of like an end of day response or it's another day response. So I'll text them at like 4 p.m. one day and then they'll get back to me at like by noon the next day, okay? Now I've thought about this a lot and at first I probably took it personally a little bit, but then I started realizing it as I saw more people doing it, that this is just a byproduct of our hyper-connected, hyper-distracted, everything vying for our attention world that we live in. People have so much shit that's in front of their face that it's almost a miracle that they ever get back to us at all, right? And I feel like people have gotten worse at managing their text messages, uh, maybe on accident, maybe on purpose, maybe people just don't want to text as much anymore. And I think it's a good thing. I think being in your text messages is a healthy thing. I think phone calls are super, super important. I'll get to that in a second. But I would say that give people the space. Uh, also, just maybe generally avoid texting. Call people. You know, use texting for certain communication strategies and avoid having like long drawn out conversations about it. Uh, and most importantly, just don't expect people to get back to you on your timeline. They're on their own timeline. You are on your own timeline. And it just goes back exactly to that point that we talked about with the, um, what was it? We talked about bottling things up, right? We expect people to perceive things the way we perceive them or act the way we act them or say things the way we think they should say. And that is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. All right. Oh, I do got one more big piece in here. The Bitcoin one. Okay. Give people the space to be themselves. Accept them unconditionally for who they are. And what will happen is, like, ironically, you'll actually get more of what you want They'll probably follow up, reach out, and reciprocate more if you don't even expect it. Whereas when you expect it, you put this negative energy out there and you actually create more resistance in your relationships and people are more likely to do the things you don't want to do. It's a very strange phenomenon, but I've experienced it. The more you step away and you act unattached, the more you get the reciprocity you actually want and the more you try to cling, the less you'll get. So give people space, understand that they're just not good at managing their attention. There's a bajillion things vying for their attention and most people just aren't good at it, right? Pick the phone up, call people. That's a power move. Power move number two is to send a voice memo. It's amazing how much, like you'll get like a 100% return rate almost with voice memos. And also people will feel the need to reply with a voice memo, which is extra powerful. Right? When somebody sends you that voice memo, you're like, oh, I got to listen to it. It's kind of like a voicemail. Like you probably always listen to voicemails. And if somebody calls you and leaves a voicemail, you know, it's likely you're getting back to that person. Okay. So give them a break, call them. Don't expect things. They're living on their own clock, not yours. And as a result, you'll have better relationships and you'll remove the toxicity that comes from ex exception, except <laughs> expectation. So I had this longer piece here. Uh, Bitcoin is not an investment. It's a revolution and it's not edited. So I'm going to rewrite this. It's a little, it's, you know, it's definitely longer. I just kind of like 
it's one of those pieces that you write that just flows out. I didn't have to think about it. It just came out and you know, it's going to be a good piece when that happens. So I'm going to post this inside the newsletter when it's done. I'm probably also going to post, no, I'm definitely going to post it on my website as well. And it's probably going to be its own thing. So get that over at Colin.coach. That's going to wrap up today's newsletter video, which I'm going to upload to YouTube right now. And I hope you get in the newsletter. Uh, anything you want me to cover ever, any questions, topics, comments, whatever, I will cover it. I need content. I'm going to, like I said, start, I'm going to start parsing this content into different buckets. So I'm going to have the better human new, uh, podcast and newsletter. That's going to be the hub for everything. And then I'm going to have the better finance. I'm going to have better man. I'm going to do better relationships. I'm, maybe I'll do on a better life. I'm probably going to do one on entrepreneurship. So better entrepreneurship or better entrepreneur. And each one of those shows is going to get posted to the main feed. Then it's going to get posted to its own podcast feed so that they'll all be siloed out and perfectly organized, right? And then you can subscribe to each one while also subscribing to The Better Human, which you can get over iTunes, Spotify, and Google. I hope you do that. Uh, I'm looking forward to revamping the podcast and content and getting back into touch with building an audience. Let's build better humans. Life is about leaving things better, making yourself better, pursuing better, and then looking back on your life and being like, wow, I made the world a better place. That's what it's about. That's what life is. It's a journey. It's not about having the most money in the graveyard, right? So I want to help you do that. Anything I can do to help you do that. Let's get it.